Welcome to Black People Love Paramore, a podcast where we try to make Black people feel seen. Please rate us and write us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, five stars only, because we are five star bitches, or Dio Gotti. I'm your host, Sequoia, and today joining me to talk about beauty shops <laughs> slash barbershops, Black hair in general, we have host of Money Honey's podcast and content creator, Freddie Ransom, aka DJ Mini Skirts, as well as actor, producer, art director of the Creative Collective and Culture Con, Michael. Michael, can you pronounce your last name for me one more time? Michael Aloya Day. Michael Aloya Day. Say what's up, y'all. If there's anything that I missed, please tell them, but say what's up. Thank you so much for having us on. I've been very excited to be a guest on your coveted. Black People Love Paramore podcast. So thank you. I'm excited to kiki and talk everything today. I am very excited. Yes, Michael. Listen, I'm always down for a kiki and to talk about (laughs) Black people and what we love and what we don't love. So thank you for having me. Oh, yes, absolutely. Thank you for coming on. It's been a minute, Freddie. Me and Freddie have been talking about doing something with this podcast for a minute. So very happy to have you, Michael. Thank you for coming on such last minute. Very excited to dive in. Okay. So before we get to talking about black hair, we have in my defense In my defense is a segment where we bring one of our controversial opinions and we defend it for you all. Now y'all I have an in my defense this week. Do you two have one? Do you want me to start or do you want to start? I want you to start. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. My, in my defense this week, I, tweeted this, but I tweeted this in Twitter close friends, whatever that Twitter circle. <laughs> so everybody might not have seen it. Freddie, you you probably have seen it. you might have seen it. I personally feel like Mexican tacos are just infinitely better than black tacos. And I am so so sorry, y'all. Like you know that I love niggas. I really do. I love y'all. <laughs> Us. Should I say? But it's giving very Caucasian. Black people tacos are giving very Caucasian. I cannot get behind it. I can't believe that for the first half of my life, I had never tasted an authentic taco. I thought I didn't like tacos like that because all I ever had was nigga tacos with ground beef and and seasoning salt and the taco packets and tomatoes and lettuce and, and, and cheese on it. And I'm like, I don't want this shit. Like, what is this? And sour cream. And sour cream. And I am never more anti-Black than when we start talking about (laughs) Mexican tacos versus Black tacos. And that's not like me. And I'm sorry that I have to turn into that person, but it is what it is. So that's my, in my defense this week. I feel like y'all, I feel like the people that listen to this podcast are going to have feelings, thoughts. Y'all feel free to share them, but. I can't, I cannot disagree with you. Thank you. Thank you. Taste. Moving to LA has really like solidified Mexican tacos are superior. Why are we even why are we even having this argument, y'all? Like, come on. Come on. I grew up with African tacos, so like that's a whole different thing. Oh, please do tell. I didn't I didn't know it was African tacos until I one day was making tacos and I was like, I cannot serve this to any of my friends it's good it's not bad don't get me wrong but i feel like it's blasphemous to what tacos are supposed to be you know we use a lot of spices and you know am i making jello fries or am i making tacos like what was what's going on so uh, mexican tacos I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave i'm gonna leave it to mexican tacos you know leave them right where they at they don't need to be touched now 
I agree that Mexican tacos are better, but I did not realize that, like you said, Michael, until we moved to L.A. Now, what I will say is I will fuck up some Black people tacos. Sometimes you just have a <laughs> craving for the bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> That's fair. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, like I really like the crunchy taco that you get in the package at the at the grocery store. I mean, I really like... <laughs> I love sour cream, and Mexicans don't put sour cream on their tacos. Sure don't. Mm-mm. You know what? That's true. That's true. I do enjoy sour cream on my taco. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that wasn't a Mexican thing. Mm-mm. Okay. If, if it's something black people are going to do, it's too much. It's too okay? much. Yeah. Right. Consistently, certainly. <laughs> And and usually I stand. In most cases, I am like, absolutely, we're going to do too much. But in this case, please, y'all, please, pull it back. I, I don't need it. Thank you. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Okay. Should I go or, Michael, you want to go? I'll let you go. I'll go after you. So I have a few. I had some really lighthearted ones, and then I had some more in-depth ones. Can I say two? I just want to. Yeah. I just want to. I just want to say two. One really lighthearted one, one a little bit more in-depth. Yes. I think, Sequoia, you saw this on my close friends on Instagram, but I just can't get behind Zendaya and Tom Holland as a couple. (laughs) I did see that. I can't get behind it. They're so cute, though. It's not cute. It's not giving. It's certainly not. No. Mm -mm. No. I don't have much more to say. It's just not. We don't have to explain the takes. Hey. Yeah. It is what it is. It doesn't hit. I, for me, I just see them as best friends. I haven't even, I don't think I've really materialized in my mind that they're like a couple that like does couple things together. I see them and I'm like, oh, best friends, they're cute, you know? Yeah, and, and, I'm, and I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. If that were the case, I want them to remain in the friend zone for both for each other. <laughs> I just do. <laughs> if that were the extent of it. Yeah, exactly. And and then I read an article about them apparently looking into Brooklyn brownstones to buy together. And I'm just like, this relationship is progressing and I'm not happy about it. Right. Who would you like to see Zendaya Zendaya with? Ooh, good question. I want her with a Black man, to be honest. And and it's not even just about that. I think also, too, maybe it's a thing against Tom Holland. I also don't think he's the best Spider-Man. (gasps) Oh. What? I mean, he's certainly not the best Spider-Man now. I think Tom Holland is the next Tom Cruise. And I don't know if that is a good thing, but like, as far as action star is concerned. Really? I think so. That's crazy. (laughs) Tom Holland does all his, most of his own stunts in Spider-Man. It's an early prediction. It's an early prediction. But I I think he's going to be the next Tom Cruise. Okay. So that led that led to to now a hot take, Michael's hot take. My my unpopular opinion led to your hot take. Okay, my other one that I wanted to say was it actually does have to do with hair, which is the theme of this episode. Yes, um, I actually think that the nat like the very strict natural hair journey is unhealthy and restrictive. Wow. Okay, that's a take. I like this one. Okay, yes. Yeah, so, you know, I've been natural. And I guess by natural hair, we're meeting like no chemicals, no relaxers, right? Um, But also, I think taking it a step further, it's like not straightening your hair, not dyeing your hair, your natural hair, like not doing any kind of really anything that really manipulates the natural makeup of your hair. 
So for me, I was going on this journey. I had a long natural hair journey, like where I was like not putting, I barely would blow dry. Like if I was blow drying my hair, it had to be all cold, like very extreme, right? I think I took it too far, but I think it's because of like the fear mongering on the internet about Black women's hair and that pretty much any and everything that you do to it will ruin your hair. So it made, it made me not want to do or try or explore or experiment anything for 10 years. 10 years. I did not like I would do braids. I would do like, you know, weaves, but I wouldn't put any type of anything to my natural hair. So I've only really come out of that when I went blonde about two years ago. And I wasn't thinking about it this way in the moment, but it was kind of me just like saying kind of like a big like almost just like standing my ground, like, no, like I can't just keep living my life in fear about my hair. Like this is, I really want this blonde hair. I've been like not touching or doing anything super like extreme to my hair for 10 years. Like I was just like, I'm over it. Like hair will grow back. It is the most forgiving part of your body. And so I ended up going down that road. And so ever since then, I've been like straightening it and like just doing what I want because I have just felt so restricted by the natural hair movement, to be honest. That makes so much sense. I feel like I'm still there. Like, I feel like I still have like extreme fears about putting heat to my hair. Like I have to blow dry it, you know, on a hotter setting to get braids. And even that bothers me. Like, I'm like, I don't want to. And lately I've been wanting to get, lately I've been wanting to get a press for the first time in literally 10 years. Last time I had a press was 2012. And I'm like, like, you know, like I'm so scared that it's going to damage my hair texture uh-huh. that I don't do it, which is my mom keeps being like, that's besides the point. Like if your hair is natural and healthy, but you never do anything with it, what good is it to have it? Exactly. And I'm like, you're right. But like, I was so scared and I really am stuck in that. So I get that. And I can't wait to come out on the other side, get my blonde moment like Fred. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, it's not, I think everything is great with balance. You know what I mean? And I think just with, you know, all the, and then I think obviously the internet has had a huge impact on like, you know, seeing all the stories and seeing all the testimonials of like XYZ ruined my hair, made my hair fall out. Like, like all of these things, it's just like learning to take those things with a grain of salt and then like truly doing what you want. Like I just felt, I never was able to really slay like I wanted to for 10 <laughs> years play. because I was just so afraid. <laughs> 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 so yeah, that that's my hot take. <laughs> that's a really good one. I appreciate that. That was good, Fred. Thank you. Michael, what you got? So mine, mine comes from playing a lot of Uno over the past few weeks. And then I guess Nicki Minaj. I'm about to get triggered. <laughs> and a couple people were, were going in on Twitter. <laughs> I think that if you believe that you could put a draw four on a draw two, you cannot be trusted. I agree. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> wow. Wow. Somebody who's read the Uno rules. Wow. Someone was sent. I was seeing a whole bunch of people talking about, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. I played it like that my whole life. What? But then it raised red flags for me. Because if you believe (laughs) that that makes sense and that's normal, there are other things in your life that we we need to look at. 
Uno tells me everything I need to know about a person. Wow, you so goddamn right. And I need to do a Black People Love Uno episode because Black people love Uno, if nothing else. You really should. No, it's, it's wild. You learn so much about people by the way they play Uno. Like, I'm always taken aback. Like, no stacking, like, fishing until you get the card versus just drawing once. Like, there's just so many, there's just so many things that people do. Yeah, and I love Uno, too. And I don't know how to play spades. That might be another unpopular opinion, but... I don't know how to play spades either. I knew at one point, like, when I was back in, like, middle school, high school, when I was around it, but I haven't played since then. I don't... I have no... Not a clue. Not a clue. (laughs) Yeah. Mm, I need to do an episode on that, too. Wow. This has unlocked so many different things. Okay. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm going to have to bring somebody on how to play, because I already know the internet going to try to drag me for not knowing how to play this goddamn game. Like, I've been dragged my whole life, and I'm fed up with it. Whole life. Okay, Whole actually life. fed up. Right, please leave me alone. Thank you. My family is from the Midwest. They played Bidwist. I don't know how to play that either, but <laughs> whatever. We, they didn't play spades. Anyways, those are really good ones. I, I, I like that. Okay, we're going to move on to song of the week. Do y'all want to start or you want me to start? I can start. Okay, go for it. I have two, right? I have two. My first one is, is The Other Lover by Little Dragon. It's Moses and Little Dragon. And I heard it, I feel like I heard it like a year ago. And I was like, oh, that song is fire. And I love Little Dragon. Mm-hmm. And it just randomly played on my shuffle the other day. And I was just, it just, I just fell back in love with it. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that. Yeah, Moses and Little Dragon together. Oh, it's beautiful. But right now, the album I have on repeat is Ari Lennox's Age Sex Location. Okay, okay, okay. I haven't checked it out yet. It's, it's doing something for you. I haven't listened yet either. Ooh, it's R&B gold. And she has a song with uh, Summer Walker called Queen Space. I'm excited. It's a, it's a great album. It's the album that's taken me out of the other lady's album. The other lady's album. Uh, that lady, <laughs> right. This is the first album I've listened to in full. Mm. Like from front to yeah. outside of that album. Mm-hmm. I think that's, well, I plan on, I plan on tapping into that album too this weekend. And that too will be the first album that I listened to from start to finish since the other lady dropped her stuff. Gotta be. The other lady put crack in. I don't, I don't know what her problem is. I don't know why she would put crack in the black community again, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> I like those. I'm gonna have to check out Ari's album. I generally do like Ari Lennox. I like her voice a lot. Gonna have to check that out. See what it's giving. I heard really good things about it from other people as well. Oh yeah. Everyone is like raving about it. And then they were also saying like her first week streaming numbers weren't like where they should be for like how well people are saying that, you know, how good her her album is. But I mean, obviously I don't, numbers are ridiculous to be honest, especially in this day and age. That also stresses me out when people say that because it's like, maybe she was happy with it. And then people are on the internet like, oh, this isn't good enough numbers. And maybe she didn't feel that way. And now people are yeah. like, maybe now she feels that way. You know, you never really know. Yeah. But- and it, and it's 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 sad how they like, like R&B for in, in particular is such a, they don't put money behind marketing. They don't, you know what I mean? They don't do enough. Mm-hmm. They don't make it a priority enough of a priority and it's it'll be a shame if like this album goes under the radar because it's such a good album yeah i mean she also all the album art like everything she just 
is glowing. Every part of the album visually, just like from the outside looking in, it's just like, looks like, it's like, seems like just like a little glow around it. Yeah, like that's yeah, what yeah. I see. Does, so I'm excited yeah. to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. She has Chloe. She has Lucky Day. She has a lot of dope features on this album. I heard the one with Lucky Day is, is sassy. Yeah, it is. And it has a little skit to it. It's real cute. It's, the album is, the album, you know that meme of that lady on the train just like, Yes. That's what that's that's the vibe of the album. Yes. That's the vibe of the album. I'm gonna have to put that meme on Instagram so people can know what we're talking about. But yes, no, that's a good one. Yes. Freddie, what song you got? Okay, so my song is a white song. Um, it is from Justin Timberlake's Future Sex Love Sounds album. It is the Love Stone interlude. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, I don't know that one either. A sonic okay. journey. A sonic, oh, Sequoia, you got to tap in. Yes, it's fantastic. Let me see about it. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's a seven-minute song, and it changes about halfway through. And it's the second half of it. Ooh, incredible. <laughs> wow, wow. You just took me back, like, memory lane. I... Wait, what, when did that come out? That came out, like, 20 what? Like, 11, 12, 13, around that time. Uh-huh, Let me look uh-huh, it up. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was definitely in college around that time. I think. That 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 seven-minute song. Y'all, that shit came out in 2006. Y'all, that came out in 2006. Oh, I, was in, I was in high school. I was in high yeah. school. Wait, how was that six years off? It really doesn't seem like that long ago. But I guess when I'm looking at like, oh, it had like My Love and Sexy Back and stuff on there too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. so that it was 06. But yes, Love Stoned is fantastic. It's been Good on repeat. I'm actually making, I guess, <laughs> switching over to miniskirt here, I'm making like a little edit of uh, A Keeper with Drake and Love Stone. So keep a lookout for that. Mm. That's why it's stuck in oh my, my head. God. I'm very excited for that. I cannot yeah. wait. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Sequoia, what's yours? My song for the week is by none other than a young man formerly known as Bow Wow, <laughs> currently known as Shad Moss. Okay. Fresh as I'm is was absolutely a banger. Fresh is up. Right. Yes. Harlow shaking immediately. Absolutely. Because niggas was not riding, riding or bumping like he was bumping at that time. No. And it's really that simple. It was, that was, that was the last banger Bow Wow ever had by a long shot. And I'm sorry for you, Bow Whistle. I'm very sorry about that, but it's fantastic. I stand by it. Yeah. Fresh as a Miz is actually really great. I haven't listened to that in forever. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. I came up on my random like recently and I was like, what? This song had to add it to the likes, recited it word for word, bar for bar. Yes. Still, still knew it. Yeah. Yeah. It comes back like like it was yesterday. Like yeah. I just learned it for the first time. Yeah, it was great. Wow. I have an iPad with 10,000 songs that is is not in service anymore. And the day I fixed that iPad. Oh, I'm having a party. A hundred percent. Ten thousand songs. Ten thousand. I a hate DJ, that that's gone. So. Oh wow! Oh, okay, okay. 
I hate that that's gone down for you. I hope that you can get that back. I want to know what's on that iPad really bad. Right. <laughs> yeah. I need to know. I know that song is on there for sure. Because yes, because absolutely taste. Why wouldn't it be? Right. Why wouldn't it be naturally? Okay. We're going to move on to the main subject. I don't really know how to classify this one. So I'm colloquially saying hair, barbershops, beauty shops, hair care. That's not very colloquial, but I'm saying it like that anyways. Y'all, did either of you, both of you go to beauty shops as a child? Yes, I did. I went to barbershops. But you did not go to beauty shops, Michael. I would maybe go sometimes with my mom, but I wasn't in there weekly like I was the barbershop. Was that a generally good experience for y'all? Bad experience? Does it have pleasant feelings? Okay. Going to the beauty shop is such an emotional roller coaster. Now, Sequoia, are we, am I saying, are we discussing like going to the beauty shop, like with my mom and her getting her hair done or me me in particular going to get my hair done? Either. So I would say going with my mom it was an all day affair, of course. Like if it if, if if she was just getting her hair done, I would be in there literally all day with like my coloring books and my schoolwork and all this stuff. It was just a whole day. Um, now, if I was going to go get my hair done, same scenario. However, there was a payoff at the end, which I <laughs> was always really excited about. Going to get my hair pressed, getting some little Shirley Temple curls for an event, like. Even like when I started getting relaxed, it was just like knowing I was going to walk out and the wind was going to, I just knew I was going to walk out of the salon and the wind was just going to be blowing through my tresses. And I was just, (laughs) I didn't care how long I was in that beauty salon. As long as I had that outcome, I was very excited. (laughs) It didn't matter. Yeah. The process of getting it done, a bit traumatizing, a bit traumatizing, especially when it came to even before I was getting relaxers, the hot comb to the edges, the hot comb burning my scalp, leaving the, you know, waking up the next day and having like some burns on the, like behind my ear and like things like that, like that. Painful. Very, very painful. You just unlocked trauma for me, but that I had literally 100% forgot about. The burns behind the ear, the burns at the back of the (laughs) neck. I cannot believe I used to wake up with that shit on my head. Wow. That was a horrible time. But there was really nothing that beat like walking out with a fresh perm. I know that we generally don't do perms anymore, but there was nothing yeah. that beat walking out with a fresh perm when I was a kid. Like you couldn't nothing. tell me shit. You couldn't tell me nothing. <laughs> nothing at all, ever. You wasn't telling me nothing. Okay. I knew I was that girl with my fresh stiff wear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> stiff wear <laughs> okay absolutely stiff wear love that shit michael you said you went to barbershops how was the barbershop experience as a kid so for me i didn't go to my first barbershop until i was i think i was like 11 or 12 because my dad used to cut my hair mm-hmm. so <laughs> That was a trauma in its own self. Because <laughs> my dad was oh, no. not a barber. <laughs> you know, it was a, it was, it was, whew. I used to have some, I, I look back on pictures now, like, who, if, if <laughs> Instagram or Twitter existed and those pictures were put out in the ether, I would be a meme. I would be somebody's <laughs> meme right now. Oh. <laughs> 
so when I finally got to go to the barbershop, it was the best thing because I was getting the cut that all my classmates, all the homies were getting. Uh, so I I had great experiences as a kid. And I also was very naive about like what a good cut should be and what that looks like and what a good barbershop experience is. Uh, I was just happy to be there. I was just happy Aww. to be in the shop. I was happy that my dad wasn't cutting my hair in the in the um in the bathroom. Wait, Michael, where did you grow up again? I was born in London. I moved to the States when I was four. Lived in Jersey till I was 11 and then moved to Georgia. So I lived in middle of nowhere, Georgia, from middle school, high school. Then I went to college in Atlanta. So, yeah, Georgia for the most part. And around that time, my dad was like back and forth between Jersey. So it was just my mom for a a while. So she would, you know, that that was the impetus in me going to the barbershop in the first place. So, yeah, so like my early experiences, I went to this really country barbershop also in the middle of nowhere i remember it be, like you would have there was like not a dirt road but there were trees before you got to the shop like you you went through the forest a little bit and it was like just you know a whole, a whole bunch of like country ass niggas in yeah. the shop mm-hmm. um my barber i want to say he was from the caribbean somewhere but he had lived in georgia since he was a kid i do remember one traumatic moment where I realized, okay, this, I need to speak up next time. And he had taken my hairline back so far. Oh. My mom looked at me crazy when she picked me up. She, oh. she was like, and my mom really doesn't know anything about like what a good haircut is. But she looked at me like, something's not right. Oh. And I tried to wear a hat to school and hats weren't allowed. And oh. yeah. But as a kid, as a child, my barbershop experiences, for the most part, were positive. And, okay. But that was due to my ignorance. Okay. That's fair. No, that's good. You, you know what? At least it saved you from having a bad experience. I feel like most people's childhood barbershop experiences are probably positive just because, like, you don't know, like, you know, what's going on like that. And then you get older and you kind of start listening to shit and be like, wait a minute. What? What niggas in here talking about? Now, I'm not speaking. I, I don't go to barbershops regularly. This is only the couple times I've been with my dad or something. And I'm like, what are niggas in here talking about? Nothing. And I was a child. Right. And I was a child. <laughs> I'm like, yo, the niggas is not here talking about nothing. I don't know what's going on. But I don't know. It always seemed fun-ish from my perspective. I don't know. You know, I think the, the, the best part of the barbershops, the most positive, I guess you could say, were the characters that would come in there. Especially when I moved after college, I moved to New York. I lived in Harlem. My barbershop was in Harlem. Like Harlem, those barbershops are the quintessential like barbershop barbershops. So like yeah. sock man will come in, the DVD man will come in, the oh, local yeah. unhoused. You know what I mean? Like, and then you had your barbers, you had your barber beefs, you had your the owner, <laughs> you had the new barber. Like it was so. <laughs> I would sit in the the chair every week. And just write an episode. Oh, wow. A hundred percent. Yep, yep, yep. It's crazy how, like, those tropes just hold true across no matter where you are in the U.S. It's like the DVD man definitely going to be there. It's, mm-hmm. The sock man <laughs> is definitely going to be there. Somebody going to have mm-hmm. the DVDs and the socks in the back of the trunk. Um, yeah. It's just so consistent. I didn't know about Barber Beef, though. 
Oh, barber beef is real. Oh, barber <laughs> beef is real. There's a barber shop out here. I went for the first time. A homie of mine, he like recommended me. He recommended it to me. And it was my first time in the chair. And I was like peeping. People were leaving the shop. People were like, it was just a lot. People Like a guy was packing his shit up as I was getting my oh. cut because some shit had went down. I called back for like my barber, my barber, or the barber I went to isn't there anymore. He, they started a shop across the street. Oh shit. It's drama. This is dramatic. Yeah. Barbershops are consistent no matter where you are at. And that's actually kind of crazy. I feel like black hair is so versatile. This is why black people like hair so much in a way that other cultures do not necessarily, at least from what I can see, like hair as much because black people's hair just does so many different things that, of course, you have an affinity for it because it shapeshifts. We can do the natural thing. We do the braids. We do the presses. We do the weaves. We do the wigs. There's just so much that can be done with it. You could shave it. You could grow it out. You could do locks, uh, the freeform locks. Like there's just so the dip. You definitely always on swim. Waves on swim. You gonna have waves on swim. You know, right? A nice little low cut, circular waves, like straight waves. Like there's so many geometric patterns to waves that I. That you That's so true. Wow. I've never even thought about the circular wave versus straight wave thing. Yeah. That's same. actually so crazy. Wow. Remember uh, wave checks? Niggas was doing that for a little, for a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Black culture is so rich. I love us so much. I love us so much, y'all. It's actually <laughs> kind of crazy. But anyway, y'all, what was y'all favorite haircut growing up or hairstyle growing up? Yeah, I was a Caesar, a temp fade, a Caesar with a temp fade guy. When I was a kid, my dad used to try and give me a fade, like a a fade, but it, and you can imagine. But as a adolescent, I guess it was a temp fade with yeah, temp fade. That was my thing, and a part, and a part. Yay. I love the part. When I got older, I got into the parts. I love that. Now, now, what number is that, Michael? What what number is that? Is that one of the numbers? Yeah, so I would get like a one, one and a half. Mm-hmm. That doesn't actually mean much to me, but I'm sure it means something to somebody listening. So it was a it was a length that you could still see the waves swim. Got you. If you went below a one, you wouldn't be able to really see it. If you went below a one, it meant that you were trying to make the haircut stretch. Oh, okay. Let it grow out a little bit so you can mm-hmm, eventually mm-hmm. see some dippage, but you wasn't going to get it immediately. Okay. Exactly. So um, you, you were trying to like, you know, three weeks, three weeks for a cut. But yeah, I usually got a one, one and a half temp fade. Hi, I'm Kate Casey, an unscripted TV expert. Three times a week, I interview the talent directors, producers, and hosts of television's most popular reality shows, docuseries, and documentaries. I get all the -the behind-the-scenes stories. I cover everything from The Bachelor, Selling Sunset, and Real Housewives to Tinder Swindler, The Last Dance, and Secrets of Playboy. Join me as I ask all the questions that you want asked. And best of all, I'm the most trusted source on what to watch every week. I will give you a guide on everything from true crime and sports to competition, calling from all streaming and cable networks. The best guests, the best shows and series, Reality Life with Kate Casey. I... 
Wow. You know, black men and fresh haircuts, it just does something to me. You know, it's just like, I'm just, you explaining it, it's just taking me back. And I'm just like, oh, oh. <laughs> I used right. to love it in high school when they when the boys love would come it. first first day of school the fresh the fresh cuts oh yeah yes mm-hmm. um my favorite hair style I would say as a kid so let's say like maybe middle school definitely pressed at this point I had a relaxer so definitely pressed yes. I loved a good side part like a deep I was a deep side part girl like yes. I was, I, I swore by a side part. Like, I feel like I was like hands down side part, probably until like <laughs> low key, like mid twenties. Like I was, yeah. I, I stayed super true to the side part, like very serious about it. Yes, absolutely. Also, I loved a half up, half down with the press. So I would do a lot of my school pictures had like the half up with like the yes. super high too, like the boop. And then, yeah. I love that shit. I still do. Yes. No, the half up was like, it's a quintessential black girl hairstyle. Like it gave us a very Mm -hmm. Rudy Huxtable when she got a little bit older on the Cosby show. Y'all remember when she started having the press with the half Mm -hmm. up, half down moment? Yes. And Rudy has so much fucking hair. I was like, good God. She had so much hair, was so thick and so long. And I wanted that shit so bad. So yes, definitely feel that. (laughs) I think my go-to favorite hairstyle as a kid was the straight back braids. I had a perm at the time, so the braids were a little thinner than they would have been should I not have had a perm. But it was like straight back braids with these little wooden beads on the end. That was really my shit. I got that around third grade. You can tell me shit. That was my school pictures. And I felt like I had a little hang time on my braids. I remember being like, wow. Like... And when the beads swung, like when the beads swung and made noise, it was like, oh, like I have inches. Like, what do you mean? Now, I have inches and don't let me get to clacking these beads on you now. If I get to clacking these beads on you now. (laughs) Bring the beads back. I think the beads should be a thing again. Yeah, it is. I think it is. It's coming back. It's coming back. I do think the beads are coming back. So I was definitely that girl. And then also a, a fresh perm straight down. No bumped ends because parents love to try to bump your fucking ends. And I said, I don't (laughs) want that, mom. Stop trying to turn my shit under. Yes, it's the turn under. It's not even the turn. It's not it's not the turn out because that could be cute. (laughs) (laughs) I just I just remembered who my style, who my hairstyle icon was at the time. Well, I think she was just my overall icon, but the person that I think that I like thought of when I went to go get my hair done was Kyla Pratt. Wow. Mm. Kyla did. She had like a flip outward often. She did. I remember she Kyla did. having a flip she outward. A, yeah. and, I, and I definitely went and got a little flip a few times at the... Yep. Get the Kyla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kyla, what a legend. Huge legend. Huge can we talk about it? I saw her like a month or two ago at a screening and she looks the same. Dang. Fantastic. Always been fine as fuck too. We could start there. Yeah. Yeah. She's a hair. I, I could see that. I could see that for yeah. sure. I was going to ask who are your hair icons too? So Kyla Pratt's one of them. You got anybody else who was a hair who is or was formerly a hair icon? 
I mean, I think all the like popping black girls at the time, like the Megan Goods and the yes. and the Tyler Press, like with they, and they all had they all had straight hair too. At that, like you know, natural hair just like wasn't a thing at that point, especially in media for black girls in media. So. I just wanted to look like them. I was just like, they are, they, they look like me. Like I, I just wanted to be them and they were just so fucking cool. Yes, absolutely. So cool. Michael, do you have any uh, hair icons that you had before or now? I don't know about male hair icons. Okay. Cause it was, I always kept it. You kept, yeah, you kept the fade going. Did you ever have braids? I never had braids. I did try and grow my, not, yeah, I grew my hair out just a little bit. I had a little bit of curl fro situation in college, but my braids were not happening in my household. <laughs> my mom would, was not going for that. My African Nigerian mom was not she said, absolutely going not. for braids. She said, is that braids? No. My youngest brother, he got a, ooh, I'm telling him, he, he my mom would never listen to this, so. <laughs> uh, he actually had braids. The youngest get away with everything, don't they? I don't know. What are y'all the youngest in there? I am, and I do get away with it. <laughs> You're the way more than my brother. Yeah, I mean, I I grew up as an only child, but I do have an only like an older brother. Same. Yeah, he's my dad's son, but you know, same. Yes, I definitely was the the one. Yeah, yeah. My so my youngest brother has gotten to experiment with like hair. He's had a fro. He has he's had braids. He's had you know a Caesar. He's had it all, and he's got to experience with experience it so freely. Now that I think about it, I'm kind of jealous. But yeah, so I don't really I can't really think of anybody as a child that I was like, oh, I want that cut. Mm-hmm. That's fair because it was pretty standard. Yeah, it was pretty standard. Pretty standard and boring. It's fair because I feel like men, especially around the time frame that we're thinking about, fades were pretty much the thing. Mm-hmm. It was like either fades or braids. And I feel like fades were really the more common one. Like it was like fades, fades, fades. And yeah. now it's more so that black men are doing multiple things with their hair, like yeah. a little bit longer, some fades, some braids, freeform dreads, other types mm-hmm. of or locks, other types of locks. Just like a lot of stuff going on. I remember when the like, and I think it's still a thing, the the fro with the braid at the top, with the shave sides. How do you feel about that? Oh, wait, like the, just the braid, like the cornrow braids here. I feel like Drake kind of has, no, no, Drake's sides, sides aren't, aren't This is shaved. like, yeah, um, who had this? I feel like Omarion at one point had it. Yes, it gives that, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, did Diddy's son have it? Oh, Quincy, Quincy had it, Quincy, Quincy had it. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did, he did, he did. Um yeah. That wasn't my jam, but I didn't hate it. I definitely wasn't like, this is terrible. I hope this trend ends, but yeah, it wasn't my favorite. (laughs) It just gives toxic. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) It's interesting to see how men have started to just like experiment more with hair. And I think that's due to like products being marketed towards us. For um, a, a while, I was one of the faces of Bevel. I don't know if y'all are familiar oh, with that. Of course. Yes. So, um, I, you know, and that was my introduction into, oh, here's a product for me by someone who looks like me and let me take care of myself now. And I was 
for like six years, I, you know, they would bring me in and this guy named Marcus Harvey, the best bar, like the way he cuts, he cuts, he's Nas's barber. Mm-hmm. The way he cuts hair, anytime I leave a session with him or a photo shoot with him, don't talk to me. Ever. Don't talk to me. <laughs> don't call my phone. Call my assistant that I don't have. Yep. Have my money on time. Period. You know, like that's that's how those cuts were. And it wasn't until like I discovered Bevel that I was just like, oh, you know, there's more to this taking care of yourself. There's conditioner and there's shampoo and there's things that you can do to you that I didn't know before. Mm-hmm. What was it about the way that he cut your hair that made you feel differently than leaving another barber? The precision. Mm. Like, I don't know. It was sorcery. I would leave like, (laughs) how do I have more hair on my head? How does my hair look thicker? How do my (laughs) waves swim deeper than they did when I walked in? They was in there swimming, boy. Yeah. I mean, and and around that time as an adult, I was exposed to better barbershop experiences. There was a barbershop in Harlem that you walked in. They took your coat. They asked you what kind of whiskey you wanted. Gave you a massage while you waited. And it was like $50 for a cut. Huh. You know? And then I had another barber. His name is Frank. One of my favorite barbers ever. He'd give you a facial, massage your back. It just was a it just there were different experiences that I started to experience. And I was like, huh, okay. There's more to taking care of yourself. I didn't know that barbershops was evolving like that. Okay. That's fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that for y'all. I'm happy that like self-care is starting to expand into black men as well. It's not such a gendered thing, because right now it feels or you know, historically it's felt rather gendered. Mm-hmm. It's pretty new though, but I'm happy that black men are getting on it too. Oh, my favorite. No, I did tell y'all my favorite hairstyle growing up. Oh, what was your least favorite hairstyle from child? Do you have one that just like traumatized you? I really do want to hear about your dad's haircut, Michael. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, I love my dad. And, you know, we have to, <laughs> I have to start by saying that. And <sighs> he would give us this fade that wasn't a fade, right? It was just. You know, a fade is supposed to be like bald around the sides and the back. And then there's more hair on the top than there are on the sides and the back. It would just be hair on the top and no hair on on the sides and the back. So it would look like a it would look like a little island was on top of your head. Michael, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Sometimes and sometimes he would throw a part on there, too. Not a pathway on the island. Right, right. A little, a channel, a channel. A channel. If you will. I'm done. What? <laughs> why was, why was that happening to you? Was that, what did, did his hair look like that? No, he would go to the barbershop. Because he didn't have anyone to cut his hair. <laughs> it was a way to save, it was a way to save money, I'm sure. Pop said he was saving money on y'all hair. He wasn't saving money with his hair, okay? <laughs> My name is Tom Buck, and this is The Enthusiasm Project. Join me each week for deep dives exploring the world of what it means to be an independent creator on YouTube, starting your own creative business, and keeping a positive, enthusiastic mindset along the way. New episodes of The Enthusiasm Project are available every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts.
Yeah. I have two other brothers, so it's three boys. So I'm sure that was I would I would get made fun of from time to time. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a it was an interesting time. I need to find pictures. If you can. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see a little I picture would, of that because that I sounds love very to see it. funny. That was <laughs> definitely my worst. And then you know what's crazy? When I started going to the barbershop, my younger brothers didn't go to the barbershop. I actually cut their hair. But because I went to the barbershop, I had a little more like mm-hmm. understanding. Understanding of like what and I would just give them a basic Caesar, line them up, you know, mm-hmm. keep it simple. Right. Wow. That always seems so scary, like trying to cut a hair like the hairline. First of all, because I know black men are real specific about what the hairline is doing. Okay. So I be jokingly telling my boyfriend, you know, I could I could cut it. Like I could just, you know. Hit in one of these. If I come near that man with with any type of razor, he's losing it. Don't play like that. Don't play like that. Right, but it's funny to me. I be, I be thinking it's a joke. He don't be taking that shit as a joke. He take that shit serious. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Look at Michael's face. But don't play like that. Okay. A bad haircut as an adult. That's a game changer. You know, it's always been a secret dream of mine to be a female barber like I've always really yeah I've always like wished that I had taken the time to learn the skill I remember at BuzzFeed I kept trying to pitch the video idea where I like became a barber yeah they wouldn't let you do that it just never it never worked we just never it just kind of just fell under the you know other things became priority right (laughs) oh that's a really good one Mm mm-hmm yeah. You know what I was thinking just separately as a as a caveat real quick? There should have been like a remember MTV's made? Do y'all remember that show? Yes. Yeah. That should have been like a thing that BuzzFeed tried to do. It was like some made type oh, shit. That would have been dope. I feel like a couple people tried to do it. Well, Stephen Lim. Stephen Lim did like the K-pop star thing. And then I think like one or two other people did like similar made kind of situations, but it was never like to the scale of MTV. Like right. MTV's was an event. Event. <laughs> Buzzer wasn't given the budget like that. Okay. <laughs> they had a budget. Yeah. Oh, I, I miss those days. Me too. Was it Sundays? It was like it was like true life would come on MTV. True life. Made. Yeah. True life was intense. It sure was. Do y'all remember, like, there's a show that's on now about, like, weird habits or something, like people eating chalk and stuff like that. Like, True Life oh, was yeah. the original that. It was. It was like... <laughs> yeah. It got real. Like, it sh- I remember they used to, like, sh- really, like, literally show people using drugs. And I used to be mm-hmm. like, how how is this... How is this not censored or nothing? This is not even that late at night. What am I looking at? Right? Like, what is happening? <laughs> the filmmakers behind True Life, they they deserve their their flowers because they yeah. really were like doing that type of like documentary yeah. journal. You know what I mean? The authentic, raw. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we didn't got all off black hair. Now we talking about True Life and drugs, y'all. We did. <laughs> I had a I had a, a, a bad hairstyle that I wanted to talk about. So I think my least favorite hairstyle, it wasn't when I went to like the beauty salon, but it was what my mom would do with my hair, which was like, and this was in elementary school. Mind you, I actually started doing my own hair really early. Like I just learned how to do it and also grew up again as an only child. So like I just would spend hours in the mirror in my room, just like testing out new hairstyles and X, Y, and Z. Oh, 
so you know the two the two ponytails on the side of your head and then the one in the back. Freddie, I swear to God, if you say the same thing, that's mine, because I'm going to tell y'all mine too, yes. And then she would grab these two and cross them over. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, wow, yes. Hated it. You were giving me the Regina King just now. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly. Certainly. Freddie has both arms crossed above her head, for those of y'all wondering. Yes, who are those of y'all who are listening? Yeah. The moms are always, it's always the parental ones that are like the worst ones. Like Michael's is like Pop's haircut. Freddie's like, well, my mom was doing this. Mine too. So I had a similar one where it was like a half up, half down with the twists and the barrettes and the balls, right? But the front, like the half up was in one ponytail in the center of my head. And then the half that was, it wasn't down. It was also in another one Uh in the back in the center of my head. So one here, one here. Kind of like, imagine like a faux hog, but just with two and they were twists. I know exactly what you're talking about. My cousin used to have this all the time. (laughs) I went to school one day and this boy who had the biggest crush on me and I knew it. I was in like kindergarten or something. He looked at me and he was like... (laughs) So nervous This nigga said to me in kindergarten, he said, Well, we're looking mighty ugly this morning, are we? What? (laughs) And I rem I went home and I told my mom, I told you I didn't like this hairstyle when I went to school this morning. And then Bradford came up to me and said, X, Y, and Z, mom, why? We're not doing this again. We're never doing this again. Stop telling me about how this is cute. It's not cute. I told you it wasn't cute in the first place. Now you got niggas calling me ugly at school. Okay? I was so mad at her. No. I was so upset. He really was to be upset. We're looking mighty ugly this morning, aren't we? With a aren't question we? mark. Like Damn, I was supposed to Bradford. respond and agree. Bradford, why would you do that? I've no, I also went to high school, Bradford, and middle school. So me and Bradford traveled the whole way. So Bradford <laughs> might listen to this. I don't know. What's good, Bradford? Come on, Bradford. Damn. Wow. Bradford has some nerve. And you said, Mom, I told you. I got real-time feedback, and it wasn't good. <laughs> don't ever do that. Don't ever embarrass me like this in public again, mom. I can't believe you would send me to school looking like that. So, yeah, it's always the parent one when you're a little bit younger and you have a the traumatic experience with a hairstyle. The parents don't be knowing what they're doing. They be thinking they know yeah. what they're doing. They don't be knowing. They be they'll be knowing what the kids like and what they don't like at school. They just send you there and embarrass you. Outfits were my worst. Outfits were the worst for me with that. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Wait, I need to know just a tiny bit more. What was like the worst? Was it like a shoe thing? Was it just like the whole fit? It was just always, I, I always felt like I was dressed like Carlton as a child. I shouldn't have taken a sip of water while you said that. <laughs> I almost get the shit out of my mouth. And you know, like, that's not cool. Okay, so it is cute. If you're an adult looking at this child that's dressed like Carlton, you're like, oh my God, he looks yeah. so cute. Like, this yeah. is so, like, I love it so much. But you a kid walking to school just like Carlton, it's not the vibe. I had a British accent and I was oh, dressed like Carlton yeah. with a weird last name. Like it was just, it was just all bad. 
in 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 the (laughs) islands. It was all bad. It was all bad. (laughs) It was all bad. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I hate that for us. But there's so much Black media that, like, mm, like showed the goodness of the beauty shop, barbershop experience, or, like, Mm -hmm. kind of just, like, emphasized how important it was to Black culture or how Black people liked it so much. The two movies, naturally, of course, or the multiple movies, I think it's more than two for beauty shop and barbershop. Yeah, yeah. Um, But also, like, music videos were often shot in beauty mm-hmm. salons, Bills, 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 Destiny's Child is shot in a beauty salon. LeBron James has The Shop Now, which is a YouTube series that's shot in a barbershop. Yeah. It's just like such a part of the culture that it's just ubiquitous. It's such a huge part of the culture. Like going to the barbershop is like, and I and what's sad is I haven't been in a barbershop since I moved to LA. Can you, Okay, so I really do want to know a little bit more. My first time was a few months ago. But consistently, like I used to go, yeah, before the pandemic. So what's 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 going on with you in LA and barbershops? You just moved here like two years ago, right? I moved here two years ago. Yes. Okay. And you moved here from New York or from Atlanta? I moved from New York. Yeah. So I had a good thing going. I compare all my barbershop relationships to actual like dating relationships. Wow, is that serious? It's deep. Yeah, you have your, your your barbers that can cut really, really, really good, but are always late or always canceling. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, there's just these things and you want to stay with them, but you, you just can't be treated the way you've been treated by them. So you have to go find another one. Sometimes you cheat on your barber with another barber and they can tell when you go back. Like, it's a whole thing. So when I moved to L.A., Working with Bevel spoiled me. I was really, really spoiled by like being cut by the best of the best. New York spoiled me, spoiled me too, because a lot of great barbers are there. So I was just like, I'm not going to go to just anybody. Uh, a friend recommended me to a good barber. He was cutting out of his house. So I was going to his house to get a cut. The cut was great. Top tier. That could cut. be the best ones. Yeah. Great price. And then he started cutting a celebrity's hair and his price oh, doubled. I moved yeah. downtown and, you know, for him to come to my house was $150. Oh. One thing about LA is the prices for a cut are ridiculous for the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. For $60 in New York, you're getting, someone's washing your hair, you're getting a massage, you're getting a facial, you're getting like, you know, a hot towel, at least, at the very least, like the traditional things. Here, you're getting a cut for $60 minimum. minimum, And that $60 is on the low end. Mm. So for the past like year and a half, I've just been trying out barbers. I've been dating barbers. Right now, I have a homie who cuts my hair. He lives across the street from me. So I go to his apartment and he cuts my nice. hair. Nice. And it's great because he's also like, like-minded. He's dope. He can cut. But like, He's not a career barber. Like, this is not, like, his dream job. He just does it on the side. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a difference to that. Like, I miss having the barbershop that I went to and just, like, interacting with the barbers. The last barbershop I had in, in New York was the most unproblematic place. Oh. It was owned by a woman, first of all. A dream. Oh. 
Yeah. And um, all the barbers in there were just positive, were like, cool. The vibe was right. And I haven't found that. And that's, it sucks because it was a part of my routine. It was a part of my weekly thing. You know, sometimes it's therapy, you know, in in the right place, it can be therapy. And in that place for me, both ways, like my barber would talk about things that he was going through. I would talk about things I was going through. Luckily with my my homie that cuts now, we have a little bit of that too. We get to like talk mm-hmm. about, but having that community of people, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, that barbershop in New York, the the regulars came in, the sock man, the DVD man, the, you know what I mean? The, the <laughs> crazy clients. Um, there was a little bit of drama here and there. People leaving, people coming. Mm-hmm. Um, that culture of, of the barbershop was, was super important to me. But LA has a lot of like, celebrity barbers so if they cut a celebrity's hair once their price automatically goes to 90 dollars. oh see fat joe i have a lot of thoughts about fat joe but when that nigga said yesterday's price is not today's price he ruined Mm -hmm. a lot of good things he caused inflation fat joe actually single-handedly <laughs> threw us yes. into a recession. And I want to I want him to take ownership of that. Take accountability for yourself, Joseph. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, talk about that. Yeah, he he it's him. It's him. A mess. That's a really good point though. It's the same thing for the hair girls, at least in my experience, it's just the prices are a lot more than Mm, that makes sense for a lot of things. I have not gotten my hair professionally cut, I think, ever in my life. My Well, I grew up in a family of beauticians, so my grandma did hair professionally. My mom has cosmetology license and that type of thing. So I did get my hair professionally cut by, by my mom and my grandma, so sure. Mm. Since I've been an adult, I have never gotten my hair cut in a salon because every time I look at the price, I'm like, this can't be serious, especially for like a curly cut. Or something of that sort. I'm like, this cannot. What is a curly cut? Fucking for real. It's a natural haircut on natural hair without straightening or doing anything like that. Be fucking for real, Freddie. I know you've had curly cut. Four hundred dollars. Four hundred dollars. Four hundred dollars is absolutely fucking insane. And how long? How long does that last? How long does a four hundred dollar cut last? It lasts a pretty long time just because our hair is longer. They're generally mm-hmm. cutting it into a shape. And so the hair will kind of keep that shape for a while. I would say yeah. probably like six months or so. Okay. Um, Which is like... Because mm. if you think about it, if I'm spending $60 every two weeks, $100, $120 a month times six, I'm spending $720 on a haircut for six months. Which wow. me saying that is blowing my mind because what? Wow. When you just put that into numbers like that, <laughs> I think it really just shook my heart. I said, wait, what? Yeah, 720. <laughs> but $720 for a six month haircut definitely that puts that into perspective. For the year I'm spending fifteen hundred on haircuts. $1,500 just to keep your hair low to your head. My one of my one of my really good friends. He knows how to cut hair. Shannon, he knows how to cut his own hair. Oh, that's a fucking blessing. Oh, I wish I could do that. Wow, the people that could do their own hair don't even know what they have going on. Can you can y'all braid your own hair? Can you do that? Have you ever done that? 
I have, I can, I will never do it again in my fucking life because it took me about 17 hours or something ridiculous like that. And I absolutely won't do it to myself. And it was really heavy because I don't know how to properly, you know, feather it out and make the hair the correct size, whatever. Mm -hmm. So it was like very heavy (laughs) braids. I no, I won't do that again. Freddie, have you ever braided your own hair? I did. I'm literally, I'm going to basically say the same exact thing he said. Yeah. I did it once. It took me about, not even kidding, 16 hours over the course yep. of two days. We'll never do it again. But I did really like the way it came out. I low-key liked the way that my own came out more than when I go to a salon. But it's mm. just a matter of it's just a matter of convenience. Like there's no reason that I'm gonna be sitting in front of the mirror for 16 hours. I'm not. Yours was so cute. I remember when you did it. You did knotless, right? Yeah. Did you do some knotless knotless braids? Yeah. Yeah. I remember doing it and being like, these are incredible. And they're really fucking long. Like they were mad long. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't believe she did this herself. Like this is ink. They were crazy. They were so good. Thank you. I was really proud. I just went off of a YouTube video and did like knotless goddess braids. Um, and this was in the pandemic. So this was before, like when we were, mm. all the salons were closed. So I was like, I need to get braids. I need to do something. And I liked the way they turned out. But never again. <laughs> never again. Mm-mm. Not worth it. I also like the way mine turned out. But I was like... Can't I just can't fucking do that? So yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Have you ever cut your own hair, Michael? I have, and I'll never do that either. <laughs> I mean, in the and it was in a pandemic. Did I before the pandemic? I would like when I was younger, I would line myself up. Yeah. Um, but again, I was very ignorant to like what I was doing, so I don't remember if I was pushing my line back or not. But now, as you get older, I'm very sensitive to where my line is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But during the pandemic, I started to look. I was starting to look crazy. I was starting to look crazy. <laughs> and my homegirl Blake, um, she posted some clippers because she has a low cut as well. I was like ordering those, so I ordered the clippers and I cut my hair. And I still look crazy, but at least I didn't look, you know, unhoused. Right, um, right, 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 right. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. I've cut my hair once in the last 10 years, probably. but And would not recommend. Would not recommend. Absolutely not. Not getting a lot of stars from you. That, that definitely makes sense. Do y'all have any theories as to why y'all think Black people in particular like hair, beauty salons, barbershops so much? I mean, I think that Black folks are the most creative race and ethnicity, period. So I think that we see that and it's just in our blood that we are able to create beauty from these strands that grow out of our body. You know what I mean? Like, I think that I think that we are just so innovative and talented, even, you know, in, in that in that regard of just like being able to really just create art, create art from our own bodies. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, we have such a sense of pride over how we were made. And I think as black people, we always find ways to just accentuate that and, 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 you know, highlight that. Now, I also think that the reason why like barbershops and beauty shops are such a um, important place for Black people is because we love communing. We love coming together in some kind of way. We love spaces where we can, you know, especially in America, it's like one of the only spaces where we can go meet strangers and 
be completely ourselves. Mm-hmm. It is a safe space. That is a really good point. I didn't even really think about that. It is a safe space. That is really important. And if there's one thing Black people are going to do, it is reclaim something that was initially used for our oppression. Mm. So I would say Black women's hair is so politicized and has been a point of contention in the United States for a long time. I'm only going to speak for the U.S. And that's, I think, why Black women ever straightened their hair, at least in the United States. But we have really turned that into an art form. Like, it's like, no, now we do a whole bunch of shit with our hair. You thought we was going to be oppressed and and held down by these drill-centric beauty standards and like, you know, having having to straighten our hair. We don't have to anymore. But now we do it as an art form. We do it because we enjoy it. It's not mm-hmm. a not so much an assimilation thing like it used to be before. Now it really is art. We turn shit into art in the oh, same way that we reclaim sure. nigga. We are going to reclaim everything. It's ours. And now you bitches look like us. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Now y'all trying to do the braids and everything else. So Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. It's like the the super straight hair is like no I feel like it's it's definitely no longer like for the white gaze in the workplace. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's, it's definitely not that. It's literally because we really enjoy that shit and we look fucking bomb. Yes. And it's we art. and we love the versatility. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the next day I'll show up with a fro if I want to. Exactly. And then I'll press that shit out if I want to. And I'll put it in braids or locks or a lace front. And don't ask any questions. And don't ask me any questions. Don't ask me, did I get my hair cut? Don't, don't ask me nothing of that sort. Don't ask me if you could touch it. Don't ask me nothing because the, absolutely the fuck not. Let's start there. No, you cannot fucking touch it. So my question is like, do white people not know yet that that's a thing that they can't do because it still happens at an increasingly alarming rate. Sometimes when I have braids, it's like actually alarming how often it happens. I'll be out with my white roommate and another white person be like, can I touch your hair? And she's like, are you serious? Like this still happens. I've lived with her for 10 years. So I feel like she's really well versed in Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. comings and goings of my hair and what the, what the different varieties can look like. But she'd be like, is this a joke? Like, y'all, are y'all serious? <laughs> she she's, she has a bigger attitude about it than I have when it happens to me. But also, don't touch my fucking hair. No, you cannot. Yeah, right. It's bizarre because it's like, you know, and I feel like I have this conversation often about various topics, but I'm like, is it just because I'm like consumed with my own ecosystem that like it seems like this is very obvious you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. you know I'm following only certain people on Twitter right I'm following only certain people on Instagram so everyone is just like yeah obviously this is trash why would you ever touch someone else's hair um but there are people who are outside of these ecosystems that are completely clueless and it is bizarre to think about it's crazy as fuck like in 2022, with as much media that's out there about, you know, like in, whether it be film, whether it be music, whether it be whatever it is, it's bizarre. But, you know, we're still ignored in so many different ways. Uh, yeah. Viola Davis, she's been talking about how all her career she's felt invisible, you know, and an Oscar winner, a Tony winner, a Emmy winner, you know, a leading lady. And she still feels invisible. Yeah. Damn near an EGOT. Literally, probably one of the most critically acclaimed right. women, period. 
right now. Shirley Ruff has said the same thing. She said the same thing before she, up until she won her Emmy. She was like, I'm so she happy felt invisible. Yeah. It's like, they don't see us. Yeah. No, that is crazy. It really might be like just what our circles look like as to why we're like, this shit is obvious. Yeah. Because when you step outside, you got EGOTs feeling invisible or soon to be EGOTs feeling invisible, you know, that type of stuff. So, yeah. I was going to also say this is like a pivot, but like the functionality of our hair. Um, I was, have y'all seen The Woman King? Not, Not yet. yet. I'm seeing it with my Ooh, mom soon. I cannot wait for you to see it. This is not a this is not a spoiler, but um, like a, a moment in it, one of the warriors has nails. She has like sharp nails. I've heard this. Yep. And she uses it to fight. I I just I'm so interested in like the utility of of hair and why the way it why the way we you know use it today was what was the reason it was designed or made up like it is now. I'm so interested in like the history of that. I'm sure there's, yeah, I'm sure there's so much. I mean, even like, I, I, I hope that this is factually true, but there's some stuff that I saw on the internet about how, and I need to do more like deep dive research on this, but about how like during, you know, the slave era in the U.S., when we would cornrow our hair, it was mm-hmm. a map of how to escape. Like a mm-hmm. lot of the designs mm-hmm. and stuff were mm-hmm. maps of how to get out. And mm-hmm. it was a, like just like a secret, just basically like secret messages to each other on how to survive. Mm-hmm. I mean, we used our hair in that way. So yeah. definitely fact check that. But I, I I, mean, I would not be surprised if that was in fact how we used I wouldn't be surprised. Either. That's incredible. Even culturally, like, I, you know, I think we can kind of do a bird's eye view of um, black hair in America and see culturally, like if you have this kind of hairstyle, what your backstory may be versus this kind of hairstyle and like how you grew up or where you grew up. Uh, I feel like there's so many really interesting stories to tell with black hair. Absolutely. I 100% agree. Do y'all have anything else that y'all want to say before I sign off on this here podcast? Um, I have one thing to say. Bring back, bring back the aunties braiding hair. I can't do it. I can't do it anymore with the with the IG girlies. Yo. Oh, <laughs> Where are the aunties at? Comment below, please. Right, comment below. You got some aunties <laughs> that's doing it. Please comment below because what the fuck? Did y'all ever y'all have y'all ever been to an African braiding shop? Yes, yes I have. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my friend Jocelyn. This is. I'm gonna just plug it. Um, Amazing playwright, amazing actress. Uh, her name is Jocelyn Bo. She has a play that's going to Broadway called Jaja's African Braiding Shop. Ooh, congratulations, Jocelyn! Incredible. Yeah, I did a workshop of the play, and it's hilarious. It's heartwarming, but it's so like entrenched in the culture of hair of like Harlem of African. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. I so look out chills. for that. I love that. I'm very excited to watch that. Insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So check that Definitely out. Definitely going to check that out. Yes. Listen, y'all, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. This has been a fantastic, fulfilling conversation. This felt really good. Went very well. 
I am Sequoia. You can find me across all social media platforms at BPLP Pod. You can email me at blackpeoplelovparamore at gmail.com. You can email me if you want me to bring on specific guests, if you want specific topics that you want me to talk about, or anything of that sort. Michael, Freddie, where can they find y'all? Okay, you can find me on Instagram at Freddie, F-R-E-D-D-I-E. You can find me on Twitter at Ransom Note, R-A-N-S-O-M-E underscore note. I would say TikTok, but that's also just a whole other handle that it's just too much to remember. So y'all find my TikTok <laughs> from my Instagram. <laughs> right. Y'all get it. Yeah. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Michael Aloyede, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-O-L-O-Y-E-D-E underscore. That's me. So if you're looking for any of these lovely people, you know where to find them. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode, y'all. It was great. I will talk to y'all next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Sequoia.